On this episode of the Big O Podcast, I'm joined by indie rock singer and actor Tyler Hilton. We talk about his first Father's Day and all of the books he read as he prepped for the birth of his daughter, Winnie. We get into what it was like being on One Tree Hill and how the experience led to building strong friendships with his castmates. We dive into his connection with Taylor Swift that ultimately leads to spending time at the Swift household during his time in Nashville. And we discuss the many ways he's keeping busy during COVID-19 with the kids sing-alongs, Coffee with Tyler on Zoom, online guitar lessons, music by the water, and the instructive Instagram live haircut, courtesy of his wife, Megan. This is the Big O Podcast. Hey Tyler, how's uh, how's your quarantine going? Quarantine's pretty chill. Um, you know, uh, it's going great for me. I, I feel kind of bad because I know this is a tough time for a lot of people. But I mean, other than work being totally canceled, like <laughs> I'm doing like okay. I really like it. I'm getting like a bunch of deep work done, and like no one's really bothering me. And and uh, and I just have like a new daughter, so I would have been quarantined anyway, just chilling with her, you know, doing stuff with her. So so it's been all right. That's pretty good. I mean, you you dropped a news bomb on me. I was hoping to surprise you with some knowledge I had about your uh, trip north of the border, but you're actually recording this <laughs> like an hour, like 45 minutes away from where I'm actually sitting. You're you're in London, Ontario right now. Yeah, yeah. It's that's, so wild. I didn't know so you crazy. were so close either. Yeah. So obviously I know we'll get into Megan a little bit and, and, and where she's from, but I just want to wish you a, a happy Father's Day, a happy belated Father's Day. Oh, thank um, you. You are now part of a very exclusive, uh, special girl dad club. It's very prestigious. You know, it's not an honor bestowed on everybody. I so, know. So and, how- the, and the John Mayer song Daughter scared the shit out of me, you know, so I've got to really like, you know, I got to got to be there. And so how was, how was your first father's day? It was great. It was so fun. You know, um, she, it's kind of like a normal day for us, except, uh, Megan and Winnie kind of like made a little handprint coffee cup for me or whatever, which was really cute. So I've got one of those now. Looks like it would be a murder scene. Actually. She doesn't (laughs) know what she's doing with art, but she's six months old and she kind of, and it's so cute, you know? So it's funny. I've been using it. So you have, is it, you have some nieces and you have some nephews. So you had a little bit of uh, practice, I guess, with the little ones before obviously Winnie came. What can you describe like the life changing moments of one finding out you were pregnant, not you, obviously Megan, Um, what the feeling was when you first saw her and then what scares the shit out of you for, you know, 13 years from now? Well, you know, I think there was like the initial bomb that happened, like when we knew we were um, pregnant, you know, cause we had wanted to, we were like ready for kids. Um, and so we were kind of like happy for whatever to happen, happen, but then it happened really quick. And so we were like, Oh shit. Um, <laughs> and that moment was just so crazy just as an information bomb. Right. And what followed the next you know month or two was, you know, me, Anytime I felt, luckily you have like nine months to like really know everything. But like for a couple months, I just was reading so much out of fear. And I didn't know anything, you know, like I had nieces or nephews, so I knew how to basically change a diaper. But I didn't know what needed, what kind of care a pregnant lady needed to go through and what I needed to do for Megan. I didn't, let alone, 
what to even do when the baby came. And I think the biggest mistake is, is that I spent all this time learning about pregnancy, like, Oh, how to take care of a pregnant woman. This is up. But like, then at like halfway through, someone gave me the advice. I think my sister-in-law or someone had said, you know, a lot of my friends say that if I had to do it over again, they would have spent less time learning about pregnancy and more time learning about how to take care of a baby. Because once right. it comes, you don't have any time to read, you know? Right. And I was like, Oh dude, it's like the best <laughs> advice I ever got. So like, you know, like starting around like six months, I was just reading about how to take care of a baby. And that was a lifesaver because the first month or two is like the craziest thing you've ever gone through. I mean, you can know all the information and know how you want to organize your day and know about like what you're trying to get her towards and, you know, ultimately trying to get them to sleep on their own and stuff. But in between that is just so many variables and every kid is different and you're up all night because they only, you know, sleep little bits at a time. And, I mean, it was like, it's crazy. You're like lack of sleep, you're feeding, everything's brand new. Your whole routine is totally changed and you can't prep for any of that. So it definitely took like a month or two to kind of stabilize, but we'd planned last year to be off work for this whole year. Um, so, um, you know, we just kind of planned, okay, no work or anything. Let's just like focus on this because we thought it was going to be as big of a deal as it was. And then the quarantine happened. And I mean, other than, I mean, it's crazy. Actually, our, our across-the-street neighbors who are, like, good friends of ours, they're our age, too. They had a kid at the same time. So Megan and her oh, were pregnant nice. together. And they gave birth at around the same, like, couple weeks. So we were, like, doing all the stroller rides together. <laughs> they were home from work. We were home from work. So it's kind of a bummer to leave them. But uh, other than that, right. like, we were like, let's go to Canada. We meant to spend the summer there anyway. And we try to split, our, split the year here and there. So we spend, try to spend, like, six months here. So we're like, let's just go there early. I put her, uh, Megan and Winnie in, in my motor home and we just drove across country so we didn't have to fly. And it was great. It was totally fun. That's and wicked. we made it. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, obviously you planned to do this ahead of time. What was the timing like with you getting your like residency for Canada related to COVID? Like how tight was that timeline and what would have happened, I guess, if you, you didn't get that? I don't know, you know, I, cause I don't know what, why they, the border officers let me through and they saw that my or if they wouldn't they might not have let me through for my residency because i don't have the physical whatever but it's like all been processed and it's good so i started the process like a year ago i got an immigration lawyer and i wanted to you know work up here i wanted to live up here we were we've been talking about raising winnie up here and going to school and stuff up here so we just wanted the option megan's working towards her duel as well and it's something we always just wanted to do so um so I'd started the process like a year or so ago. It just came through right before this whole thing went down. So it was like, you know, really lucky. But it's nice for us to have the option because I think, you know, definitely, I mean, Ontario is doing better than Canada. I mean, doing than California. Yeah. But I think Canada in general is doing like, you know, a really good job. And, you know, America's it's like <laughs> not doing as good, you know. So like for us, it's kind of like just justifies this whole process we're like cool this is what we wanted is you know to have the gift of being able to have two countries that we have the option of being in and um you know we love canada so much so we're so happy once we crossed the border we were like yeah because we thought oh they're gonna close the border before we get here like i was gunning it you know it was just like kept thinking don't close the border don't make us get all the way to michigan and then they're like no you can't come through but when we got in we were like oh god it was cool that's fun. I mean, listen, we're we're always happy to have good Americans. You know, people always joke about moving to Canada and I know. Having, a, having a better life. But I mean, it, it, it's great if Megan does get the dual citizenship. I have dual citizenship. I was How born in I was born in L.A., but moved here with my mom at a very young age and lived most of my life in 
Canada. So travel back and forth is really easy. Yeah. Um, just to go back and forth. And then obviously, like, you know, maybe Winnie, she might have the dual citizenship as well. And that'll make life She does, her. yeah. So that's, that's perfect. Um, so obviously, COVID has sort of thrown a wrench into things for everyone. Obviously, you're, you guys were planning on being home and, and raising Winnie. And so you have like the, the kids sing-alongs, you have the coffee with Tyler on Zoom, the guitar lessons, the music by the water and in the camper, not to mention the live haircut that we saw on, uh, on Instagram oh, yeah. Live. Um, you're obviously keeping busy. Have you been writing during this time? Yeah, I've actually mostly been writing, um, you know, like I write scripts and stuff sometimes as well and you know nothing i've written has ever gotten made but you know it's gotten picked up and developed by different companies and i like really enjoy it um so as a songwriter i've been writing a bunch like for my new record working on different songs random stuff but um i've actually gotten to do a lot of like uh screenwriting and stuff while i've been up here and i've been really digging it you know like um and I've got a bunch of like random projects. Like I've been developing like the one that's going, that's doing the best right now is, um, so I've been, I was producing like Billy Ray Cyrus's record before the quarantine happened with my friend Jocko, who produces my records. And we've been producing and writing for his record. And while we were doing it, we were like, dude, this guy is wild. He should be a cartoon. And so I kind of wrote up this whole pitch about a Billy Ray Cyrus cartoon and it, you know, his management loved it. And we got this really great animation studio on board. And then we brought in some really great animation writers from like family guy and King of the Hill and stuff. Oh, wow. So they're just running with it. And it's like, <laughs> we've been doing weekly meetings and, and been looking at the artwork and it's like actually going, it's so funny. So there's just a bunch of random shit like that. That's kind of happened, but, um, you know, it's just, it's wild. You know, I didn't know when we got up here, I had planned on doing like a couple shows here and there, but after everything got canceled, um, we didn't know if we would ever work again or if it would be years or, you know, it's just right. weird. You know, there, there's no stability in like, what we do anyway so that's why i kind of started the coffees with the tylers and i started the live streams because i was like i want to dig in for a second and start some things that might be around for a while keep me connected to the fans so i don't show up like six months later and be like how is everyone is everyone okay <laughs> so i was like that kind of helped me feel like sane and connected to everyone so i didn't like you know um just float off into outer space and lose touch with the kind of everything i built last year too right. and all the touring and stuff um and that like just made me feel so much better once I got all that going. And I've been loving keeping in touch with the fans and even, you know, doing stuff like with you or doing interviews and stuff like it's just it's a fun thing to keep going. But um, but most of the time I'm spent like just doing stuff I can't do in L.A., like really right. just like being in nature here. We're like on a river. So I've been kayaking at night and like are in the evening, you know, it's just like, oh, it's been great. <laughs> Now, before we dive into your career, which I obviously want to touch upon, um, I want to talk a little bit about the reason that I've been hounding Quinn for like six weeks to like two months to try to get in touch with you. I, I wrote her uh, a lengthy email and I'm not sure if you got a chance to read it, but part of the idea around this podcast, the big O podcast, the O stands for Ohana, so meaning family. It's a Hawaiian term and obviously now with Winnie, you have... A relative you have your daughter she's part of your family but now you probably start to inventory the good role models and the people you want as part of your life people who yeah. affect the positive role models affect you in positive ways and, and you want to get rid of the negativity because you don't want Winnie to be around that you know as an adult maybe we keep some people we don't necessarily 
want to get rid of or we don't know how to. But when a child comes, it completely yeah. changes everything. Um, and so I actually came across you watching One Tree Hill, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, um, in 2005. So I, oh, was a, wow. so I was a little bit late. I was about two years late after it originally started. And how I, came, how I came across you was my grandparents, uh, they both passed away in August of 2005. And it was the first time that I heard your music when I started watching the show. And the, the first song you obviously played was, was Glad off of the, the tracks of Tyler Hilton. Yeah. And there was something that resonated with me. It was the first time that music affected me in such a way I'd never really gone through such an emotional depressing time in my life. And it was the first time where music lifted me from that. And obviously, you know, you have your music, you listen to in your headphones or your CD Walkmans, your cassettes, Backstreet Boys and Spice Girls. But for the first time there was a sound that really, really two sounds. So it was you who I listened to and, and saw you on one true hill. And it was death cab for cutie, obviously two, yeah. Kind of different, different Whoa. styles of music, um, and from that moment, from the tracks of Tyler Hilton, from "Glad" to my favorite song, uh, "When I'm Gone," or uh, remind me, I'm going up, when, when it comes. It, when it comes, my goodness. oh right, right, right. My favorite one. Of, it's my favorite song, and I forgot the title. Oh, that's, that's dude. Lovely. Um, and so your music just resonated with me. And this was a time where I'm taking inventory and I'm thinking about, you know, who do I want to speak to? Who, if I got a shot in a million years to talk to, who would it be? And obviously I wrote Quinn the email and I said, you know, listen, here's my life. This is what Tyler did for me. Obviously he doesn't know who I am, but I'm sure I'm not the only person who's ever been affected positively by his music. I would love an opportunity to speak to him. And here and behold, you know, a few weeks later, you're taking the time you know, away from your work, your projects, and your, you know, six-month-old daughter. And I just want to start off by saying I'm very appreciative of you taking the time today to talk to me. Dude, I appreciate it. I, I really feel that. And that's really cool to hear. I don't get to hear that enough. Um, you know, you see messages on Instagram, but, like, I felt the same way about artists. And um, that's crazy that that for you, I'm that artist, you know, or that yeah. you had moments like that with me. That's really cool, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, so it was it was definitely a wow. strange time. I mean, I was probably at the end of high school, and it wasn't maybe the most popular time. Obviously, the girls loved One True Hill, so it's right. probably the reason that I got into it. But I'm very glad that I did because it really branched out and, and added another type of music that I probably wouldn't have listened to necessarily on the radio, but it came at the perfect time and really right. sparked something in me. And I've... You know, it culminated within 2015. I actually got to go see you and Kate Bogle down at the Mod Club in Toronto. Oh, you and, did? Yeah, and it was. Uh, I was actually going through my. I, I told you before the podcast, my old computer died, and one of the last files on there was the e-ticket for the Mod Club that I had purchased wow. to come see you and Kate. And I'm just like, oh man, this is this is all full circle. Everything's that's happening. This is perfect. Um, but I. You know, it's funny, I, I, I posted on Instagram that I was going to be doing this with you and I have a lot of friends who love One Tree Hill and, you know, they were going goo-goo over the fact that you were going to come in and join me and they had a few oh, questions dude. that I'm going uh, to have to ask you, otherwise they're going to be a little bit upset with me. Um, but diving into your childhood, what inspired you to become a musician? Was it music that was 
initially your passion? You always wanted to get into it. How did that sort of come to be? Yeah, my family are all a, a lot of musicians, and I grew up around this like crazy musical culture where like my uncles had played for in bands and and backed up people like Fleetwood Mac and Donovan. They're all from Southern California, and they were like, you know, uh, my uncle's band was signed to George Harrison's record label. So there was just this like I kind of grew up in this world where like all my family seemed to be like musicians, and I thought yeah. that was very cool. They always played music together when they got together um, we'd go to this bluegrass festival every year as a family and every night we were camping everybody would sing and it wasn't like for the kids like hey let's sing kids songs like the adults were jamming you know yeah. and for a kid to see that I, I just felt like so drawn to it like i want that i remember thinking like all i want to do is be somebody who can play guitar if i could play guitar i can sing because I, I loved to sing when I was young, but I was like, I could sing along with myself. And then what else do I need? You know, like I could sing under a tree. I could sing on the side of the road. I could do whatever. I just felt like that one skill that no one could take ever take away from me. I could always, there's some, almost some security in being like, that's what I want to do. Um, and I was just so sure of it. Um, you know, I loved acting and performing and stuff. I got really into theater and middle school and high school and all that. But, um, you know, that was like just for fun, but I knew I was going to be a musician forever. Um, and then when I, first got started my very first record um when i was 15 my uncles like produced it and they all played on it and stuff so even though i think the songwriting is kind of like whatever the musicianship on it is like you know it's like the doobie brothers drummer and my you know uncles <laughs> playing guitar i was like everyone was so pro it was amazing so i learned a lot I, I i came up kind of feeling like the younger kid that was always learning right. um and so you know and in fact jocko who i produce all the stuff with he was my first guitar player and stuff his dad was kind of part of my whole uncle's group and stuff so we kind of oh, wow. all came up in the same la music scene with um you know so it's just crazy it's it's cool so i had that i had that going for me when people say it takes a village to raise someone i mean that's really like the idea around that right you have people from yeah. different parts of you know music who come together for the better good and i mean you pick up and you learn and Obviously, you get to develop who, who you are and, and get like a head start, you know, get a little bit more experience than maybe the average person uh, yeah. might have. Now, you brought up uh, getting started in high school. So your big break came at like 16 years old. So what, what happened for your big break that ultimately landed your first record deal at, I think it was 18? Yeah. Well, it was a lot happened between 15 and 18. Um, like I was pretty shy. I didn't it kind of took me a little bit to get out of my head and perform, even though I really wanted to. And my dad had really encouraged me, like, you gotta, um, you know, you've been learning to play guitar, you gotta go to an open mic and you gotta sing. And that to me was like, so nerve wracking. I think, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the concept of indifference and like how powerful like indifference can be towards something. Like if you don't need it, you know, a lot of times you hear about it in the dating world or whatever, if you're like, you know, act like you don't like someone, you know, they, they like dig that vibe or that casual coolness that comes with people being like, oh, I don't care, dude, or what. It's just like, yeah. there's something so sexy about indifference and you can fake it. Um, but sometimes when you actually feel that way, um, you know, it's easy for you to like really come in and disrupt something or be particularly good at something because you don't yeah. care about it. You're not precious about it. Well, for me, like it was the opposite with music, like music. I've always cared about so much and wanted it so bad right. that it would oftentimes get in my own way. I don't know if everyone, um, I mean, I definitely know everyone doesn't relate to this, but some people maybe, you know, but so my vibe was like, even just to get on stage at a stupid coffee shop with like five people and play my music, I almost like threw up 
before I went on stage. I, I almost I did not want to go. I mean, even just the thought sometimes of walking into a coffee shop still gives me like PTSD to this day because there's so much anxiety because I needed it to go well so bad. And it was, you know, people would always be like, oh, man, you've got such a good voice. Oh, you, you, you sound so good. And I'd always be like shocked, you know, like they could have right. just as easily been like, you suck. And I'd be like, I know, I know, I know. And they'd be like, <laughs> you were good. And so that's why I kept wanting to do it. But even to get on stage killed me. I just say all that to like um, build up to, you know, I was doing these Johnny Lang songs or whatever in these coffee houses. I love Johnny Lang. I love blues music. And Johnny Lang was a young blues singer. So I would do a bunch of songs, but his in particular. Anyway, he was coming through LA. I lived in Palm Springs. They're giving away tickets on this radio station. And so I called in to play Johnny Lang's song. My dad was like, you got to call in. And I was like, I can't. I was like so nervous. He's like, you, they will love how you sound and you will get these tickets. And you'll get to go see Johnny Lang in concert. So I called in. I'm thinking like, why would they want to put me on the air singing this Johnny Lang song into a phone? They did. They loved it. It was happened to be broadcast like nationwide, and I got the tickets. And then afterwards, they were like, "Hey, will you call us after the concert and just let us know how it was?" So I was like, "Okay." So I called back. They put me on air again the next day. They were like, "Hey, do you know any other songs?" And I was like, "Well, actually, write songs." They had me play some of my songs that I wrote on the air, and then they got wow. this like big, um, you know, I don't know, I guess response from their listeners or whatever. And I don't know how much of it had to do with how good I sounded, but. I think for them, it was really good radio too. You know, this sure. is like 15 year old kid and he's like, Oh shoot. He's like pretty good. And we just gave him these tickets. And I think people were, in, were um, enamored by the whole thing and just charmed by it. So they kept bringing me back in and kept, then they eventually had me drive to LA, be in the studio with them and play these songs. So I got this huge nationwide platform just because I called in to get these tickets and they kept bringing me back, bringing me back. And by the t and then they took me on tour with them as they would do little um, appearances in different parts of the country. Cause you know, like I said, this Mark and Brian show, they were broadcast everywhere. Um, and so by the time, you know, uh, so then that kind of led me to put, um, make this independent record with my uncles. And I was like, look, I'm going to put all these songs I've been writing and playing on the air, like in this record, that record kind of got picked up by, um, a bunch of people and all these labels wanted to like meet with me. So, um, you know, I was like, obviously stoked. So I'm like flying to New York. I actually, this is crazy. Actually the candidate connection is, so I flew to New York, I flew to LA, I would meet with all these label people. And finally I got this deal with this record company called London Sire. And they were like, yo, right. there's this producer we really want to put you in touch with. He's um, Canadian. He's out of Toronto. His name's Hoxley Workman. And oh, so we nice. want to fly you up to like Toronto and work with him. So I was like 16. I flew up to Toronto, spent like two weeks recording by myself up here. It was crazy. And um, anyway, after they heard the demos and they dropped me. And then I got like some interest from another label and they like it went away. So by the time I got I was like 18, I felt like every label had already heard me and dropped me. So I was like so bummed. Right. And so I just like graduated high school, went to um went to Europe and just kind of like traveled around and wanted to just live homeless. And I just made money playing music on the trains and the parks. I was just totally enamored by blues musician. I thought the business was bullshit. And I just was like, so such a purist about folk music, blues music. That's what I wanted to do. Um, and, and that's what I did. And I said, I don't want anyone to contact me, blah, blah, blah. And then by the time I got home, there was an email waiting that said that Warner Brothers wanted to meet with me. Wow. So I was like, okay. So I met with them and they signed me. And, and, you know, and that began kind of like a whole other part of my life where I had kind of already given up on the business. I thought, okay, I'm already washed up. It feels like at 18. And here I got signed. And that's when everything started. I mean, not to mention like once your hill and walk the line that all came a few years later, but, um, you know, so it was just, that was kind of how I even got into it. It was crazy. 
And that's actually the next step that I want to go. So obviously growing up, you were a, a big Elvis Presley fan. That was that was your guy that yeah. you had to look up to. What was it like to get the opportunity to, to work alongside someone like Huckween Phoenix in the Oscar-winning movie Walk the Line and get to play Elvis Presley? It was it scared the it totally scared the shit out of me. And when they told me I didn't go in to try out to be Elvis, I went in to try to be a musician. Um, right. In the background, they were looking for like extras and stuff to be in Johnny Cash's band. So when they asked me to like play some Elvis songs after I'd played a Johnny Cash song, I was like, okay, I, like I know a bunch of Elvis songs, but um, I hadn't read the script or anything. I didn't know Elvis was in it. They were just looking for musicians. It was like an open call. So then my agent called and they're like, you know, they want to send you the script. They want to see if you could read some lines as Elvis. I was like to play in the movie as an actor. Like I was thinking, what, what do you like? I, I, I didn't even know how that worked. I didn't know how you got a part in a movie. I didn't know right. any of that stuff. I hadn't been on an audition and I went in and I read these lines and they were like, I guess liked it and kept calling me back. And I kept being like, what's going on here? Like, and then <laughs> eventually my agent called and they were like, you know, they want to offer you the part. And I was like, to be in the movie. I, I, <laughs> and I, and, and, and I said, um, no, you know, I like said, I, I can't be, you know, I can't, I was like, no, I didn't like, I'm not an actor. I love yeah. Elvis. You've got to have a professional play Elvis, but not me. And so I, I, I like said no. And then, you know, they were like, well, why'd you audition? And I was like, felt bad. Cause I was like, I don't know. I didn't know. I, I was just too nervous. It was like the whole thing with the coffee house thing where I was like, you know, I can't do this. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I don't know if, you, if you've heard this story before, but like, I feel like I've told the story a million times, but it's crazy. But I ran into walking Phoenix in a bar after I said no. And I like really? went up to him. Yeah. And I was like, yo dude i just want to say like um i read walk the line it's gonna be a really cool movie and he wasn't that famous then you know right but i was like you know I, it's gonna be a cool movie i tried out for it. I, I i got the part but i'm not gonna do it I, i'm a musician and i'm not really an actor and you know you guys should get an actor to do it and he was like dude i saw your audition tape you have to do this movie and oh, i was like what do you mean he was like no i'm telling you we're getting all these people who have never acted before to play the musicians. Wow. Recent, I've never been a musician before and we're learning. So everyone's going to be like off their game. Like you gotta, you gotta do it. Um, and so I called my agents or whatever and I was like, okay, like I'll do it if the part's still available. So it was just anyway, just a roundabout way of like, yeah. I was so nervous. I said no to it. That's how much I loved Elvis. I was like, I can't do this. Wow. Well, I mean, listen, you turned in quite the performance. It, it won, it won the Oscar. So obviously you, everybody on set, from Hakuin to everybody made, you know, a, a fantastic film. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, crazy. so you transit, so to, in 2004, and I'm, I, I wrote it down so I get it right, season two, episode six, you make your debut as Chris Keller. Is that on, right? On wow. One Tree Hill. It's funny because, uh, you know, during this time with COVID, everyone's, you know, rewatching things. And I finished rewatching one of my favorite shows, Scrubs. And I was like, you know what? Maybe it's time to get One Tree Hill. One Tree Hill is an investment. You know, it's it's, it's a lot <laughs> yeah. of episodes. They're like yeah. 40 minutes long. I have two young girls, so I have to like really. Oh, you pick, do? Yeah, I have a, a one. Uh, my youngest turned one in March and my oldest is, uh, I call her a three-nager because she's three, but oh she's really God. a teenager. She, That's funny. She repeats everything that I don't want her to. And... Sometimes, like, you know, funny things, sometimes things that my dad doesn't want mom to know that he's saying. <laughs> um, but it's, she's just, she's growing up, obviously, in this generation where she's way, she's just picking up and absorbing so much more than we could ever imagine. 
And so yeah. we have to be very careful because she's got that little diva like attitude right now, um, which I absolutely love, but it's, totally. it also scares the hell out of me. Um, and so how did you find yourself with the role of, of Chris Keller? And did you imagine that it would lead to the, to the popularity of your music the way that it has? No. And I, I didn't uh, know what One Tree Hill was um, when I <laughs> first tried out for it. Like, I remember my label had said, you know, this guy who runs the show, he puts a lot of music on this on this like kind of teen drama, and he like likes this song of yours, and you know, he wants to find a way to bring a musician on the show as like a character. And so I had heard that they were looking at. He had written a part for Butch Walker. It was mm-hmm. either going to be Butch Walker or Matt Nathanson, um, or who they were looking at. But he like ended right. up liking my song. He was like, yo, I think he's a little young for the part that I wrote, but I, you know, I want to meet him cause I really like the song. So they like glad. So I came in and I met with them. I played glad and they were like, um, you know, at the time I was kind of doing all this stuff that I didn't understand. Cause I just had a single out. I was the first time I was in a major label and they were pushing me to do all these weird promo things that I couldn't even keep track of them anymore. I couldn't tell if I wanted to do any of them or not. And by the time they said like, Hey, you're going to go on this, check out this teen drama called one tree hill we're gonna have you go on there and sing i was like okay that sounds annoying and lame but i was like all right because you know you're just like trying to promote the single and trying to like break through the noise and whatever and they were like i mean it won't be your single when it comes but he wants you to play the song glad so to me i thought they were just writing like just some like lines just for me to say on the show it was not supposed to be like a character that stayed around it wasn't supposed to be like a whole arc or it wasn't supposed to be anything. It was just supposed right. to be like a reason for me to come on the show and sing some songs. And, you know, like they did with like K fed and, you know, random people <laughs> as they threw out, they just write people <laughs> in just for a second, you know? And yeah. so that's what happened. You know, they just wrote me in and I was kind of like, what am I doing here? I, I didn't understand. But then when I got there, the front office in Wilmington sent me the whole season one on video cassette. Right. And I watched it one weekend and I was like, I'm obsessed with this show. Like I got so into it. Yeah. And then I showed up on set Monday morning after watching the whole first season. And it was like, Oh my God, that's Peyton. Oh my yeah. God, that's Brooke. Oh my God, that's Lucas. Like it was so weird to all of a sudden be like, get the part when I didn't talk about indifference. That's the whole yeah. thing again, where you're like, yeah. I was like, I literally couldn't care less. And then I get the part. And then I watch the show and I'm like, Oh my God, this is the best show ever. And the next day I'm all nervous on set. Like, Oh my God, that's Haley. You know what I mean? And then, but, you know, we're all like really young. It just kind of right. felt like a first day of school. And then we got close really fast. It was really weird. Like, um, I don't know if it was Chad and I or who got cl- Hillary was probably my first friend on set, but we just got close. And that was that was the time, except for Chad and Sophia being together. Nobody else really had relationships. So right. um, your friendships were the most important thing. It's that age right. where before relationships matter, your friendships are the most. So we got so tight. We were each other's. And, you know, we're in this town that's not Hollywood. We don't have anyone we work with or know in that town except each other. So we would get together all the time. We only hung out with each other. Every time the show would air, we were at somebody's house watching it. You know, like (laughs) we were like 19, 20, 21, 22. We're like young and can't believe this is happening. And I'm just kind of caught up in their early energy because, you know, the show had been on for a season and a bit. And they were like, holy shit, we got picked up for a second season. This is great. So I'm kind of like, all right, whatever, you know, and then. But season two, I felt like we all, it really started picking up. And I just happened to get in at the right time. And we just, we became like inseparable. And the show took off, really took off in season two. And that's when, you know, we were, now we were in this whole like 
PR bubble together where right. it was, you know, uh, you know, me and Joy and Hillary and Sophia and Chad and James, um, you know, we were doing like TRL all the time and doing all that stuff like as this cast. So I kept being like, what am I doing here? Like I, I just came on to promote my album and now I'm like on this show. But, um, you know, at the time I was, you know, like I thought making money, making decisions about money or PR was so uncool. I like wanted to make every decision, honestly. And honestly, honestly, I thought like, do I want to hang out around with these people? And uh, that was the main reason I kept doing the show. I thought like these people are some of the favorite people I've ever met. I want to be around them all the time. And all I want to do is work with these guys. Like I just loved everyone in the cast so much. We got so tight and we're, and we're like family to this day. So um, it kept me coming back. And, you know, meanwhile, the show is just getting bigger and bigger. And I just never would have guessed though it would have gotten as big as it did. And yeah. it would have stayed as big as it has. It's crazy. It's crazy. It, it, it's funny because there were two shows growing up that I watched that really had a major influence of, of music. That was a focal point of the show. One Tree Hill was one of them and the OC. And that was yeah, I don't, yeah. like, uh, I think it was, uh, Adam Brody was really big because they had like their music scene and they would have the guests come on and, and sing yeah. like a song or two and really big on that. And those are the things that I absolutely uh, fell in love with. Now you alluded to something that you remain friends with a lot of the castmates. I've seen, uh, part of the friends with benefits charity. Obviously there was a trick in Wilmington. Yeah. Uh, you guys have gone back and, and done shows and they do tours there. Uh, over the years, what are some of like the maybe the fun things that, that you guys continue to do? Because you still are making like lifetime movies with Hillary yeah. Burton and your wife. And I was going through it. I mean, uh, I don't know their names, but I'm going to say Deb and Mouth and, uh, <laughs> right, right. and Antoine Tanner. I mean, you you've done all of these movies. Yeah. So you're obviously still tight with them. But explain to me the feeling of disappointment that you felt when you couldn't make it to Hillary Burton's wedding. Because I know that was a big deal for oh, you. Oh, dude, it was a big deal. That's funny yeah. you asked that. Yeah, it was a real downer. And Hillary was so cool to come to our wedding and fly across the country. And same with Lee Norris, who plays Mouth, and a few of the other kids. And I think we were set to go, and at the last minute, Something happened with Megan, her pregnancy or something. We had to go right. in the doctor's last minute, and I can't remember what it was, but it was something that we thought was going to be serious, and thank God it didn't end up being, but at the right. time, there was only one decision. It was like, oh, we, we can't go. Right. Uh, we have to like go to the doctors, um, and obviously, Hillary understood because she was For so sure. supportive in us, um, you know, getting pregnant, like ha having the baby. She gave Megan so much great advice, gives me so much great advice as a parent to this day, so, um, so you know, obviously, she understood, but I was like so annoyed at life because I, it sounded like so much fun and not and then on top of that i just wanted to support her and be right. there and watch this beautiful day for her because we've known each other i don't know it's almost gonna be like half of our life it seems like yeah it's crazy all right so i got two more things to ask you i know we're getting close on time so yeah I'll, yeah sure I'll, I'll, sure. Tr I'll try to get them to you um so taylor swift you have a connection with with taylor swift um yeah. what how did you develop this relationship that at some point you were actually staying at the Swift household in Nashville? How did that come to come to happen? Man, I was doing this interview with this country magazine and I thought I would like look at what they had written before. And so I saw in their last issue, they had profiled this like young up and coming girl named Taylor Swift. So just to like be a brown noser, I was like, well, let me listen to Taylor's music. And then when I, you know, 
in the interview for the magazine, I'll be like, yo, I checked out your magazine and, uh, you know, I saw that article about that girl, uh, Taylor Swift and it was really good. So, and I actually, when I heard her song, Tim McGraw, I was like, wait, this is so good. I, I still, to this day, I know this is like whatever, but it's like one of like the best written songs I've ever heard because it's wow. so simple. And I never, ever, ever would have thought of the lyric. Like when you hear Tim McGraw, I hope you think of me. It's like the kind of thing that only like a 15 year old girl can get away with writing because right. it's so like innocent. And right. I just feel like if anyone else said that, it'd be like, I don't know. I was just blown away by it. Yeah. I, I thought, I also thought it was such a courageous lyric. Um, like just something so like self-effacing about it. And I, I don't know. I, I like actually like became obsessed with it. And so I told the magazine, I was like, yo, and I was actually, I was so serious this time. Cause I meant to just like look up something they wrote and then throw them a compliment. But I was like, that girl you profiled Taylor Swift after you talked about her, I got really into her. She's really good. And she was like a nobody randomly. She happens to be like a one tree Hill fan. And she like <laughs> loves my music and her management sent her the article. And so then she got stoked and her management hit me up and was like, Yo, you know, Taylor wants to say thank you for mentioning her article. She's such a big wow. fan and she's going to be playing through, she's coming through town playing this bar in Southern California. She wanted to know if you would want to come out and meet her. And I was like, how charming. Like this, <laughs> like this little girl was like, and I was like, you know what? That would be fun. I would like to meet her and it'd be fun to see her live. And then she was like, okay, if you're coming to the show, would you want to get up and sing Missing You with me? And wow. I was like, you know, that's cool. That would be fun. And so I did. And then when I got on stage and it's like this tiny bar, she was yeah. like, so I have another question for you. Like, is there any way you'd want to like star in my music video with me? Um, you know, and like there was like a couple hundred people at this bar and they were like, yeah. you know, and but I was like, yeah, you know, it'd be fun. And I was just like, you know, she was obviously trying to put me in, on the spot in like yeah. a cool way. And I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that'd be so fun. And my parents met her parents. And there's all this like good <laughs> like vibe backstage. So I was like, yeah, if you guys want to do a music video, I'll totally come like star in it with you or whatever. And then yeah. I got the call. They're like, yeah, we're actually doing the video. Can we fly you to Nashville? It's like, sure. So I um, got to know her family even more. And then that was Teardrops on My Guitar. And she blew up after that, like blew up. <laughs> um, and it was like the craziest thing ever to watch this girl who was like so sweet, so talented, like t literally take over the world. So when I, a few years after that, when I moved to Nashville to do um, like a bunch of you know, songs there for a record that never ended up coming out. Um, I ended up staying with them and, you know, That's they were amazing. like, yeah, come stay with us. And her dad is like an investment banker. So he knows so much stuff about good investments. And he was giving me all this advice about buying a house <laughs> down there. And they just really were cool and like took me under their wing and the whole family's cool. That's awesome. Um, all right. The last thing I want to ask, uh, it's going to be focused kind of a little bit on, on Megan. So first off, amazing Canadian girl, Lindsay, Ontario, not far yeah. from the city. Um, it was actually one of my friends who was like, listen, you really got to talk about Megan. This is, this is really kind of a cool thing. And so she grew up just like maybe like an hour, two hours away from, from where I am, maybe like two and a half, three hours from where you actually are. Um, where did you guys meet? And how exactly did the relationship blossom? Because you guys, I believe got started date you got engaged in 2013 married in 2015 had winnie in 2020 you have had like the most epic decade life-changing oh, decade yeah, of all time dang. so how did, yeah. how did that all come to be well we met in that movie charlie bartlett because it filmed okay. in toronto and she was like a local hire so you know you have to hire a certain amount of canadian actors yes. for movies that film here and she yeah. was living in london um, at her mom's where she grew up um or i think she moved here when she was like 10 um but uh 
but yeah, so we met on this movie and I was staying in Toronto and she kept kind of taking the train from Toronto or from London when she would have to film. And uh, we met day one. She was the first actress I had a scene with in the movie. It was literally day one, scene one. And I thought she was so cool. And immediately I was like, yo, do you want to hang out? And we, I didn't really know anyone else on the set. And so we, um, we just started like hanging out pretty much the whole movie. And then when it was time to leave, I was living in Nashville. I don't know where I was living. I was just like, Oh, I like don't want to say goodbye to this girl. So we just kind of like made it official and we just kind of promised each other to see, to never go three weeks without seeing each other, um, never go longer than that. And so we kept that up the pretty much our whole relationship, you know, and it was, um, it was cool. And, uh, I came down to visit her in London and like loved it. And I just love Canada. I love Canadians. Like, I like, I just love it here. I really do. I was so enamored with it. It's, uh, How was Lindsay? I've never been there. She's like, I have to take you, and I've always wanted to go. Lindsay, have you been? I, I have been. It's it's kind of like in the just on the outskirts of like cottage country. So like this time of year, it would be like perfect. Uh, wow. It, it won't be too busy because obviously with COVID, not everyone's running up to their cottage. But it's definitely like a small town. Uh, I think there there are a couple of colleges uh, up there, but it's it's definitely a place that if you're enjoying nature in London, where you are you would definitely enjoy like some of the, the day trip adventures, whether it's like kayaking or canoeing or going for a hike on some of the trails. I feel like wow. you would, and it would be like a nice weekend getaway from, from London, a nice distraction. Where so. else like in, in Ontario is like, do we have to go that you've been that you're like, Oh, this is so beautiful. You got to go or what areas? Like, well, if, if you like camping, like Algonquin park is probably like the number one place that you'd want to go for really? like a, a camping kind of trip. Um, but there are so many hidden gems, even in like, like Halton Hills area, which is kind of like between where you and I are. So it's maybe like a 45 wow. minute drive. Maybe um, if you go up to Hamilton closer to like Niagara Falls, there's a lot of wonderful, beautiful falls and, and provincial parks that, that you can go to. And they're really nice day trip spots, like a, like oh, hidden, wow. hidden gems for sure. Uh, there there's, you're definitely in the right area. If you were in the East end, it's a little bit different. I, I know more of the West end spots, but it's, uh, it's definitely nice. And if That's you cool. want to get away, it's, it's definitely a, a good opportunity for, for that. That's cool. I got to check out some stuff. Yeah, that's cool. We love being up here. But we keep looking for little places that maybe we would settle down or we would get a cottage or I don't know. We keep thinking maybe we'd raise Winnie in Toronto or we can't decide. I don't know. We just are kind of exploring all around. We also love BBC, but, you know, right. we have a, a soft spot for Ontario. But. Well, I'm, I'm biased. If you want a place to, to come move into, Mississauga is, uh, is a great up and coming. It's like the future version of Toronto, but way less busy. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I hear it, so many cool things about it. Yeah, so uh, but I mean, I I was I grew up in Toronto for most of my life. I only moved out to Mississauga once I got married, and so I love I obviously love love Toronto as well. But Ontario in itself is just a beautiful place. I mean, our our slogan on our old license plate was "Yours to Discover," and it really yeah. is that. I mean, there are tons of of hidden beautiful gems all over the province that every weekend for an entire summer, if you picked one spot, you could. You'd still miss out on so much, but you'd get so much value in, in, in doing some weekend wow. trips. Yeah. So. Wow, that's cool. That's really cool. <laughs> well, that's Tyler, amazing. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Like I said, this is this is a big moment for me, just with you know the the importance that your music has had on, on my life. So I appreciate that. Shout out to the the Canadian girl Megan for, yeah. for roping you in. 
Dude, and, thank uh, you for having me, and I really appreciate that. It's so sweet to say, and it's cool. That, that kind of stuff like gives me you know, confidence to move forward. That's dope. Thank you. You have a, you released a new music video for your song. When I see you, I see home, which you actually use the footage for from your wedding for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, everyone can find that on Spotify, Apple music, uh, at Tyler Hilton on, on Instagram. Is there anything else that you want to, put out there you have more zoom uh zoom coffee with tyler coming up yeah yeah you check out my website tylerhilton.com we have like uh you know covid masks for sale now nice. and we got you know <laughs> you could do like a hang with me on tuesdays we have like virtual coffees on zoom so check it out if you want but you know we'll just make that work until we all hang out again on tour awesome appreciate you taking the time today it was a pleasure uh good luck uh being a new parent raising winnie and uh, hopefully this all sort of the new normal sort of kicks in soon and we, uh, we get to hear some more of your new music and see you live eventually. That is something that I'm definitely looking forward to uh, hopefully sometime soon, considering you're also so close. Dude, I appreciate <laughs> it, man. Me too. Well, awesome. take care. Awesome. Thank you, Tyler. All right. See you, man. Take care. Bye, Julian. Bye. Bye.